The podcast you're about to listen to is not part of the Professional Casual Network. Any of the views or opinions expressed on Elite Eight Showdown do not reflect the views or opinions of the Professional Casual Network. But to find more podcasts like this, please visit professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, beardeddragongames.online. Pick up all your local game store goodness from Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, or Wafurp 4th Edition, as well as terrain, paints, board games, comics, and more. Make sure to use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout for free domestic shipping or PCME10 for 10% off your total order at beardeddragongames.online. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and squirrels, welcome to the only podcast on planet God dang Earth where we can pick anything and everything to face off in an eight-subject bracket elimination tournament. This is Elite Eight Showdown. I am your host, Tim, and today I am joined by my current comrade, cohort, and co-conspirator, but more importantly, my friend, Lexa Morlocks-White. How are you? Doing good. Uh, it's. I'm super excited about this. I've been. We we have known the trouble of trying to get me on this show for so long. It's been like it's been over a year. Well, well over yes. a year. I feel like right. Uh, basically, as soon as we did the oh no, uh, not the oh no, a power phase. Oh wait, it's, did I know uh, a while? Well, a while. Yeah, yeah, it's probably kicking on like two years at this point. We've been trying to make this work out. No, because uh, uh, I had the podcast by then, and we're coming up on the two-year part of the podcast at the start oh. of, yeah. Okay. We're also coming up on episode 100 of the podcast, oh, which is like... hell yeah. Trying to figure out what to do for that. <laughs> well, first off, congratulations. I'm, I'm yes. making it to, to episode 100 and uh and yeah that is that is kind of always a yeah a pickle right like do you, do you oh yes do you do something so over the top that it can't be matched or do you try to keep it business as normal but very good uh, yeah it's uh it's its own pressure oh yes <laughs> um and just so so people know ahead of time uh let us know a little bit about the morlocks podcast what it is and uh where they oh, can yeah. find it <laughs> So the Morlocks podcast is a let's experiment show about finding new homes for the lost and forgotten characters of Marvel Crisis Protocol. Mm. Um, you can find it wherever podcasts can be found. As more, just as Morlocks, you'll see a fantastic uh, storm with her uh, mohawks spelling out Morlocks as the logo. I love it dearly. Uh, yeah. So, so much. Um, and it is, uh, we take a kind of forgotten character of Marvel Crisis Protocol and build them out of affiliation into a roster. Mm. I mean, it really plays into uh, how we like to play as well over here. Of yes. Just doing wild things with wild characters and just making the uh, the unappreciated appreciated. Yes. I, I'm sure I could come back onto your show and blow your minds again with all the tech I have. Because <laughs> it's been a year. It has. And very legitimately, every time we've talked about MCP, just just in general, the things you say are like, oh, that's how how did I not know that? This is. Yeah, we it, it's very difficult to walk away from a conversation with you without being more educated than I entered the conversation. Thank you. I that makes me feel good, and I hope that's going to be the same today with our subject. I think so. At least for me, it will. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about what we'll be going over uh, in this particular bracket. So we are going to be going over tabletop uh, RPG systems. Mm. Um, this has been a curated list of one. I went with only one mechanical one system to represent a mechanical system so there won't be like six different versions of DD on here right there will also only be one storyteller engine game on here uh one powered by the apocalypse engine game on here that type of stuff uh 
Two, these are all games that I have actually played or ST'd. Beautiful. So I have actually seen these in action. Uh, and three, these are all... Uh, I, I had to make a delineation between story games and uh, tabletop RPGs here. And so for this game, it is going to be something where you roll dice and you have an S, uh, a GM of some type. Okay. It's my delineation. And as far as a quantifier for what you'll be deciding uh, wins each bracket, is this the most mechanically sound system? Is this the best experience that you have had with a system? Or just kind of best overall as far as like across the board, this checks the most boxes as far as a satisfying game to play? Um, I It's probably going to be, uh, for me... Uh, what plays into the values I have for tabletop RPGing, which is okay. uh, mechanical structure around roleplay, uh, which is not always what people think when they think of RPGs. We will get to that. Yeah. No, okay. All right. So I like that a lot. So these will be the winners will be the most mechanically sound based around the ability to roleplay in the system. Yeah, and the values I have with role play. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so are you ready to get right into it? Yes. So bracket number one, as always, is sponsored by Built Bar. If you want protein bars or broth in a packet that you can carry with you all the time and mix in a water bottle, Built.com is the place to get it. As you're filling out your cart with bone broth packets make sure to use code professional casual at checkout and you will get 10 percent off your order now finally you can have broth anytime with built.com all right bracket number one is gonna be monster hearts going up against a very little known game that most people probably haven't heard of dungeons and dragons yeah, so th this is the bracket of contrast. Yeah. Um, we have the most RP with the littlest mechanical structure versus the least RP with the most mechanical structure. No, and so Monster Hearts is this is a powered by the apocalypse game, correct? Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. It is a Powered by the Apocalypse game about being teenage uh, supernaturals in high school, where all of your supernatural abilities are actually uh, kind of uh, synonymous with uh, struggles that teenagers actually go through in high school. So the vampires' blood powers are standing for addiction. Uh, oh. You have uh, the uh, werewolf is for rage issues. Um, the witch is all about like jealousy and stuff. It is, and like being so petty. This Holy is shit. a petty game. This sounds rad as fuck. It's great. Oh, by the way, we, is... we can swear on this one. <laughs> I forgot to mention oh, that yeah. later. But okay, so uh, I I hadn't really heard a lot about Monster Hearts before, uh, outside of you know very briefly touching on it in, in conversations with you. But that sounds awesome. I love yeah. that. All right. Uh -huh. And it is your entire character sheet is one page front and back. That's one thing that I that I really enjoy about Powered by the Apocalypse system as a whole. We got we played a little bit of the Avatar one, and it was just like, wow, there's this is actually it seems like something's missing. This obviously is just the play <laughs> test because there must be more to the character sheet. And at the end of the day, there isn't. They, it's usually yeah. a pretty sound system so, that motivates role play. Question: The official Avatar one or Power Power? Uh, uh, Legend of the Elements. Uh, good question. It was done by Magpie Games. I don't know which one that was. So, nope. Uh, so, uh, that's the official one. Okay. Uh, which was put out, like, three or four years after Legend of the Elements, which was made by my good friend, uh, Logbook, uh, Logbook Project, uh, who basically did uh, a similar, a mechanically distinct enough that I don't think they actually ripped him off, but, like, same basic idea. Okay. Um, and because he's my friend, I will recommend uh, Legend of the Elements, especially since he's working through getting a second edition going right now. Hell yeah. Well, and I'll make sure to have uh, a link to that in the show notes as well. Yes. But that is going up against Dungeons and Dragons. Satan's yes. game. 
So, I feel this is always more of a combat sim than a role-playing game. Mm. Yeah. I put it in almost the same realm as Battletech. Hmm. I don't think that's actually an unfair comparison at all. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they have reduced social interaction to a singular attribute yeah. always has rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, not, o- not only that, but it, it kind of decentivizes people from playing um, social characters if, they're, <laughs> if their class is not statted around having charisma as a main attribute. It's a yeah. dump stat for most characters and then or most most classes. And then the player normally, I think, feels like, well, I can't be social or talk or do any social interactions at all because I don't have the stat for it. Yep, exactly. It, limiting and uh, and a ceiling for for really no reason that uh, yeah. really destroys the opportunity for good gameplay. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think I think. From our earlier conversation, it is an obvious win for Monster Hearts here. Yeah, and and, and I've already like written this down on my shortlist of like, yo, Monster Hearts, we need to figure this out like soon because I, there's there's something about whether it's uh, like a Mutants and Masterminds game or anything with with powers or or uh, whatever. I I love the teen drama aspect of any possible system out there, and that's the game oh, yeah. I want to play every single time, and I know it's a little mm-hmm. overdone not overdone, but like, I know there's a lot of it out there, but I, I, I just love it so much high, high, school, uh-huh. high school and college drama is like, just fun yes, it so much is yeah oh yeah, um, right. there is an entire class in Monster Hearts called the Queen which is just the Queen Bee of the school <laughs> I adore that. Oh, all right. So Monster Hearts moving on, taking bracket number one away from, you know, just a system that kind of didn't even that that almost kind of had to be on here. Yeah, but but that's it. Just yeah, they D&D donated a bench to RPGs like 20 <laughs> years ago and there's a plaque on it. And that's 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 why they're still. around. Yeah. Bracket mm-hmm. number two, however, is going to be sponsored by the folks over at REPP Sports, Rep Sports, the makers of Ray's Energy. If you want to feel uncomfortably energetic without the uncomfortable crash at the end, REPP Sports is the place to get it. You can get protein, pre-workout, post-workout, or uh, after a very long conversation with Mr. Dylan Dyer from the painting competition over at Fury's Finest, told me the difference between, I forget the name of the chemical, but that and melatonin, and why melatonin is only part of the situation, and there's more involved there, but guess what? Hypersleep from Rep Sports has the other thing that's involved that makes it good. So if you want to sleep real good and then be awake real good, raise energy. Uh, professional casual code, 15% off. It's super great. But, bracket number two, Lexa. Mm-hmm. It's going to be GURPS. And that is going to be going up against Black Crusade. Mm-hmm. So for the people at home that maybe are a little unfamiliar, can is there a way to condense what GURPS is into a single summary? Yes. So GURPS is an attempt to make a singular system that applies to any type of game to play. In that way, it is... Um, it is... Uh, not specialized to the type of system that it is to the type of scenario it's trying to play. It is being pretty okay. It is the uh, jack of all trade, but master of none of RPG systems. A blank template, kind of. Yes. You can play anything on it, but there is going to be some amount of lifting from your GM just because the system is not designed to do that lift for you. Right. Because it's trying to be everything. I played a similar system, or at least an aspect uh, called Savage Worlds, that was supposed to be, I think at the end of the day, a miniatures system. Like it seemed very like you were supposed to be using models with this to play combat on a table um, in a more like Dream Blade or D&D miniatures game or mm-hmm. a skirmish style setup. Uh, but 
made it so you could template anything over. You could play a Western game, a sci-fi game, a future game, a modern game, a fantasy game, a superheroes <laughs> game. You could do it all. It just didn't do any of them particularly well. But from <laughs> what I've heard, GURPS was significantly more obtainable uh, when you actually wanted to do something neat with it. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, but again, your uh, ST or GM or whatever you refer to that player as yeah. um, would have to put in the work. So what does GURPS actually stand for? Uh, generic Universal Role Playing System. Oh. Or if you're being a little bit of a butt, gen- uh, Generically Useless Role Playing System. <laughs> I don't hate that. Um, so what are some of the ways that you have used GURPS uh, to run certain games? Or, or what, what, um, so what templates I've have only, you put on it? I have only been part of a... I've only been a player of GURPS. I've okay. never actually ran GURPS. Uh, but I was involved in a space campaign with it. Hmm. In, like, the early 2010 we're talking like 2011 2012 so it's been a decade <laughs> i i hate that i hate that that is it has been a decade since 2012 that makes me sad but yeah all right so a hot minute ago mm-hmm. um but it's it's it works fine but not amazing that that's the thing it's like no matter what you do it's going to work fine yeah and if you put in a little effort you can make it great but it's never going to be amazing on its own yeah and that now did they ever have like licensed supplements that came out where you could play as the one that always comes to mind to me was like it was d20 modern where you you know they had inuyasha or you could play dragon ball z or you could play this that the other thing and they had all of these like licensed things that came out for it or did they kind of always want it to be its own deal where, uh, like you said, kind of the GM or the storyteller was doing all the heavy lifting themselves. So I was at the point where there was just a GURP character creation program that was passed around on USB drives. So I never held a book in my hand. Oh, hell yeah. That's so, I love that so much. Like passing around like Super Nintendo ROMs on like floppy disks in like middle school like that. Yeah, Yeah, I dig that. That exact vibe. All right, cool. Well, I mean, it's fitting that your experience with this game uh, was in a futuristic or space game, as it's going to be going yes. up against Black Crusade. Uh-huh, which is one of the many Warhammer 40K uh, games. Yeah. So um, how you were describing this earlier, it made it seem like uh, between this or Rogue Trader or Dark Heresy... We, did they kind of do a similar thing with like Star Wars Edge of the Empire where there was kind of like different full settings that you could play off of the same system? Yeah. So uh, not necessarily settings, but factions. OK. Um, so Black Crusade is specifically the Chaos Space Marine book. Um, and then you had Rogue Trader for your Rogue Traders. You had uh, Only War for your Imperial uh, uh not Imperial Guard. Uh, is it Imperial Guard? All the like normal human people yeah. fighting in the woods. Yeah, Guard. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um. So it's it's you can play. But so this one uh, specifically, you're playing space Mar- or uh, chaos space marines or or just chaos in general. Chaos in general. Nice. So this had rules for demon transformation. Um. All that fun stuff. Uh, I ended up playing, in my campaign, a sister of battle who was falling to Nogal. Ah, oh, that's awesome. That's that's super rad, actually. Um, I had only played a little bit of Dark Heresy, a game that, that Dan had run, and I guess that was... I guess I don't know what we were supposed to be. I don't think we had any Space Marines. We had an Inquisitor. And then just a yeah, bunch of so like, random I, people. <laughs> I think that is the Inquisitor one. Oh, okay. All right, that makes more sense then. Uh, but uh, playing chaos stuff and demon transformations and... Uh, yes! I, I just more chaos is better. <laughs> yes. Um, it is a D100 system. That that old... Uh, the Warhammer percentile. Yep. Um... <laughs> 
So, and compared to to GURPS, so uh, if I recall, with a game like Black Crusader or Dark Heresy or whatnot, you you were trying to always roll low, right? You were trying to yes. get like under what your skill was, which uh-huh. is a little reverse for for to get used to sometimes. Where l- yeah, low is good, high is bad. Well, we'll have another one of those later in this list. All right, perfect. No, so how did that compare to GURPS? Was that D10s? Was that D20s? Or did that kind of change? Uh, I'll be honest, I can't remember because it's been a decade. <laughs> <laughs> so this should say something because GURPS had so little of an impact on me. Yeah. While I remember fun. the details of Black Crusade. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I know uh, like Big Chuck, for instance, always talked about GURPS. and. I don't know if it's one of those experiences where because there's so much heavy lifting required from uh, the person running the game that it was so unique for people that if if you really liked it, it's because most likely the person running it for you had put in a ton of work and really specialized it. And it was Mm -hmm. difficult to to be able to pick up and play that and have any memorable experience. Yes, I think GURPS has the biggest highs and the lowest lows, depending on your ST. Yeah, yep. It, it is a game system with no consistency. <laughs> right. But as far as being able to uh, motivate and, I guess, reward good role play, is having the mechanics be a little bit open-ended and maybe taking some of the, the emphasis away from that, does that lead to to better interactions and better character development or because it's a little bit too open, does it put too much focus on how this one's different or how we're doing X, Y or Z to be able to make it function? So it's how do I fit this one? It's a little too open uh, and two, um, specifically comparing it to Dark Crusade. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let me. Yeah. Uh, Black Crusade. Yeah. I knew I mixed up two of the titles in the band. <laughs> um, it is... Dark uh, Trader, I think it was, right? Or Rogue Crusade. Rogue Trader. Yeah. Um, it is uh, having an established uh, world is actually a boon at times. Yeah. Um, which, if your DM puts in the walk, sure, you can have that in a GURPS game, but again, that's all on your ST and not on the system. Yeah. Um, where like having a wool to build off of can help a lot in character creation rather than we're doing this generic setting. Have fun. That leaves things too open and too disparate at times to make. Yeah. That creates a lack of cohesion. Well, uh, yeah, I get that actually very specifically. So one of my barriers for entering the, the Warhammer space for RPGs at all was I didn't know anything about the world. So mm-hmm. having other people to lean on that are really into it and can tell these stories or tell you why certain things fit or don't fit gives me a lot of direction in something like this. If it's too open, like GURPS is, I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, I, I get that it's generic fantasy, but I need to know everything that you're planning so I can figure out how I fit into the overall thing, yeah. which puts a mm-hmm. lot more pressure on that interaction specifically before the game starts between player and and storyteller. While even if I'm unfamiliar with how... Uh, you know, Warhammer kind of works as a whole, especially in 40K, there's at least places I can go to look that up and, and figure yeah. something out. And that takes a lot more pressure off off the uh, the person leading the game as well. And something we're going to see that I value heavily is mechanical interpretations of, of roleplay effects. Mm-hmm. And I think that demonic transformation stuff, super somatic, super cool, and leads to interesting role play off of a mechanical idea. Yeah. Yep. No, and I think that's one of the things too about, I mean, really anything in, in the in the Warhammer space is that there's so much grim and dark in it, right? Where you can you kind of base a, a lot of powerful either interactions or uh, kind of catalyst almost events off of some awesome, 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 huge impactful things like that. Mm-hmm. But so which one's going to move on as far as your uh, values as a whole? I think it seems pretty obvious, but... Yeah, but Black Crusade. All right. So Black Crusade going into <laughs> the semifinals. Um, and I, I think that's probably a pretty solid choice. Mm-hmm. 
Bracket number three is going to be sponsored this week by Joe Gennaro and the comic book rundown, which you are finding out now for the first time today, uh, listener at home, is going to be part of the professional casual network going forward. Joe and Ron over at the comic book rundown are joining the network as a whole. And, uh, you know, it's going to be awesome. If, if you're unfamiliar with the comic book rundown, Joe and Ron every week, actually multiple times a week, take a particular arc in comics history, whether it be DC, independent or Marvel, and go through issue by issue in small, digestible 15 to 20 minute episodes going over a single issue in full. And then over the course of five or six episodes going over the whole arc. So if you want something bite sized that comes out very regularly, Comic Book Rundown is a great place to check that out. And you'll be able to find them soon all over the Professional Casual Network. But until then, Comic Book Rundown, wherever good podcasts are, you know, sold or whatever. Mm-hmm. So bracket number three, we have two games that are actually very near and dear to my heart. We have Vampire mm-hmm. the Masquerade going up against Call of Cthulhu. I yeah. love the horror space in RPGs. Um I, I, I guess I don't know if I would consider Vampire the Masquerade in the horror space quite as much as Call of Cthulhu, but it gives off the same like spooky Halloween vibes a little bit. Yes. Um, Vampire the Masquerade is officially gothic punk. I like that. Okay. I, I love that there's so many derivatives of of punk or so many prefixes to, to the yeah. word that it really just kind of makes its own uh, lineage uh-huh. inside itself. So both of these are heavy hitters in this bracket to me. Yeah, they really are. I mean, very legitimately could be a semifinal or final round bracket with just these two. Absolutely. Because um, both of these do what they're trying to execute masterfully. Mm-hmm. I love the storyteller engine. Straight yeah. out. Yep. Um, And I think Call of Cthulhu, it, which is our other role lower to succeed. Mm-hmm but has the added mechanical element of luck. Yes. Luck is such a fun system. So uh, describe a little bit kind of how the luck system uh, affects the game as a, as a whole and, and why it's so important in Call of Cthulhu. So you have a luck stat. You sometimes will be asked to roll that luck stat, but also when rolling any other die... Uh, you can spend a point of luck to reduce the result you have rolled by one. So you can make your luck stat worth to win singular dice rolls. Mm. I like that a lot. And this is, uh, what what type of dice are people rolling? So if you reduce your result by one, how impactful is that? This is the D10s, D6s, D20s? D100. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. Um, also of note, uh, this one also has delineation of level of success. Um, so, uh, if you roll under your stat value, you get a normal success. If you roll under half your stat value, you get a great success or, uh, a good, great success. And then if you roll under a fifth of your stat value, you get an exceptional success. Nice. Does the same work for failures? Uh, no, uh, it is, uh, you have normal failures, and then if you roll a 95 to 100, you get a botch. Mm. And is there anything specific that a botch, is it similar to a critical failure in, in other games? Does a botch, like, is that really, really, really bad? Is that the time the storyteller can really just put the screws to you? Or, oh yeah. All right. <laughs> uh-huh and in a horror game that's very not good for you i have to imagine mm-hmm. um and uh call of Cthulhu, i both of these actually have great actual plays to them that i would that i would point to and go hey this is like a great example of the system yeah what are they um so vampire the masquerade has like 20 of them because it's vampire the masquerade and it's going through a renaissance right uh but i will specifically point to uh not a drop to drink by loading ready run which is run by the wonderful wonderful jacob budgies who also writes for vampire the masquerade so you get a little bit of that like jacob this guy yeah i i like know him he like went to school here (laughs) 
I just you. find this out now. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? Uh, huh. All right. I, yeah, I, that's super cool. I knew he had worked for... All right. <laughs> Neat. Shout out, Jacob. <laughs> he is one of my favorite people on the earth, honestly. Yeah, he went, to, he went to Hartwood College, like right here in town. Uh, my wife graduated from there. It's like a couple miles away. That's where most of my RPG friend group is from. My uh, my like main DM for uh, World of Darkness and Pathfinder and uh, and all that stuff is uh, was was his GM at one point too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild! Oh my god! Oh yeah, my I'm gonna god. have to get some people up after this and just be like, "Hey, guess what? I just found out." That's wild that I didn't know that. And though. go watch another drop to drink because yeah. it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. Uh, and then for uh, Call of Cthulhu, the Great Dane Society, which and they run through the uh, massive Nalo Satep. Okay, Great Dane Society. Um, but yeah, so there are too many good actual plays. I could do a bracket of just actual plays, oh honestly. Yeah, well, and I mean, not even that, right? Like, there's like for even each system, there's sometimes so many just solid picks for actual uh-huh. plays. Like, yeah, it's 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 a thing uh, itself. Not on this bracket because I went with the more recognizable one. But if you're into call, uh, uh, Chronicles of Darkness, which is the reboot spinoff of World of Darkness, which Vampire Masquerade is in, uh, Uncanny Valley by Saving Throw is one of my favorite uh, actual plays ever. Okay, Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Uh, it is. Do you want to watch five disasters uh, try and survive against the God Machine? Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yep. Um uh but on to like system wise. Yeah. Uh Vampire the Masquerade is a D10 dice pool system that is uh has nice even stat blocks, which is a big thing for me. It's a three by three grid of uh physical, mental, social, and then power, finesse, uh, and resistance. Alright. I like that. Um, it is so it allows you to be a social character um very easily because of the way you assign stats mm-hmm. you will only ever have one stat at one one attribute at one and it's on a one to five scale um and then you only ever have one stat at four but the most of yours are like in the middle yeah. so it still incentivizes you to roll with them even if you're not great with them and sometimes you have to be in social interaction the end of it if you don't want to that's very true <laughs> and those always end perfectly fine oh yeah there's there's really nothing that could go wrong on such a regular basis no. uh-huh but also on the other end of so like vampire the masquerade is also very good especially fifth edition on the personal horror aspect on the grappling with yourself yeah while Call of Cthulhu is very, very good on the way that they set up and do, like, if you want to play modular systems, Call of Cthulhu has the best modules, I think, of any Ooh, RPG. All right. They are just so tightly designed for the express purpose of investigation and horror. Um, and by mod- you mean like pre-written adventures where yes. they just have mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff out there where someone can just pick it up and run it and it's good to go. Yes. Uh, and they are, if you, you can, there are a number of companies out there who, if, especially with a lot of the more well-known campaigns like Mass- Massive Nalo Setup or uh, Horror on the Orient Express. Oh, that uh, sounds awesome. Okay. Uh, where they will get all of the handouts on like, authentic theming paper and stuff so you can like physically hand stuff out to characters Uh, I really dig that uh huh so it's like the support system to make Call of Cthulhu as atmospheric as possible is one of the most like sturdy support systems I have seen I think that's so important too right just being able to tactically 
handle something that's being given out that is story driven just really mm-hmm. helps players i feel like engage a little bit more with the story as a whole uh yep. when they can kind of physically obtain something that that's uh i don't know grounding them into what you're trying to do versus being on their phone or on a tablet on the side you know what i mean it, yeah it's it, it provides a um almost like horse blinders from distraction to to engaging uh-huh. in the system as a whole um on the other hand, Vampire the Masquerade has two real good advantages. One, Vampire the Masquerade has managed to mechanically tie their, like, thousands years of lore to character ability, to characters now with the uh, um, lore sheets, which is utterly fascinating and great. And, like, being able to tie your character into specific world events and important like large scale meta plot characters because yeah. Vampires of the Masquerade is the game in here that has a meta plot. Yeah, for real. Which is a thing. Um, and is a completely different like storytelling style in tabletop RPG. Hmm. That I think them and maybe Shadowrun are the only ones ballsy enough to actually do it. Yeah, actually. Uh, so that that was the first thing that came to my head when you were talking about that was was how Shadowrun kind of it's very easy to tie yourself into the world kind of overall. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say necessarily lesser systems, but kind of D&D having like backgrounds are just a little too generic. It's like, well, this is, yeah, you know, this is kind of like some of some of your stuff or skills based off of. But uh, one of the things that's super awesome about uh, Vampire the Masquerade is really being able to physically implant yourself in some way or at least know where you are in the grander scheme of things. Because there, yeah. is, there is a story going on, regardless uh, of what your involvement is, it is. Yes. Um. And if you enjoy uh, non-tabletop RPGs, uh, there are plenty of Vampire the Masquerade video games at this point that are very good. And LARPs. One of my first introductions to it was uh, Mind's Eye Theater. Going to the college where they had gotten a couple buildings and the people had... Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, no, I was going to bring that up because I ran a vampire LARP for a while. Hell yeah. I ran a Sabat LARP. Oh, beautiful. So it's like LARP is a major... It's the versatility of a system to have a mode where you can step up from like six players at a table to 20 to 50 players in a building mm-hmm. is impressive as hell. Yeah, it is. Yep. And and be able to, I mean, th- there's so much involved in a LARP sometime as far as having uh, judges or, or GMs or, or storytellers involved. And just the way that they have produced that for a LARP makes things so much easier to kind of keep control of and have more people being able to engage without having a million uh, judges like all over the place and making sure things run correctly or or calling shots or things like that. Exactly. And the fact that you can do shots without having a storyteller there. Yeah. Yep. It's great. Um, So I think, I mean, for for you, at least for me overall, uh, the, my, I, I had like a very certain point in my like tabletop like uh, lineage or, or 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 career or whatever it is uh, where I went from, you know, like every other 13 year old boy uh, just going into dungeons and smashing everything as hard as I could in every situation, only uh-huh. caring about gear or whatever to actually figuring out what role play is and why it's important and why it's fun and why it's yeah. most of my focus now on uh, on mm-hmm. uh, tabletop games happened because of uh, a, a Mind's Eye Theater World of Darkness LARP. It was like, what do you uh, mean? I don't have I don't have guns. No one's doing combat. That's stupid. I don't understand. And then it was very quick uh, to figure out why it was awesome that it wasn't so combat focused. <laughs> yes. And and really just, it, you know, you spiral from there. It's like a, an, an almost an enlightening uh, of like, oh, wow, this is why people. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> Polo Lops are amazing. Yeah. Um, And I think. For the two reasons that we touched on of the LARP aspect of being able to scale so well mm-hmm. and just the way that they have tied their history into mechanical level, I think Vampire wins out despite Call of Cthulhu, I think, being my number three overall of this entire bracket. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, looking back at how I seeded these, this was this was kind of unfair because these were both actual absolute powerhouses. Yeah, uh, this was a this was the the part of death. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
All right. So Vampire the Masquerade moving on. I I, I can't find anything uh, incorrect about that in any way, shape or form. Bracket number four. Moving on to our last initial round bracket this week. Sponsored by you at home. Thank you. I appreciate it. But we have Buffy, the Vampire Slayer TTRPG, going up against Star Wars Edge of the Empire. Yes, so this is the Battle of the Licensed Properties. It is. Um, so Buffy is uh, a D10 plus, uh, plus stat system. So you roll a single D10 and then add your stats. Okay. Um, and this is another one that I have a actual play suggestion for, which is Layla the Vampire Slayer from uh, Roll For It. Okay. Which is very good. I like that. Now, is this? Uh, give me a timeline for this game. So, with a licensed game, sometimes it's hard, right? So, there's been a couple Star Wars RPGs that have kind of come out through the years. Um, have there been multiple iterations of uh, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer game, or is there only one? And how recent is it? And are there modules and stuff out for it as well? So, uh, there have been there's kind of one and a half editions of Buffy. Okay. Um. Because it uses the same basic rules, but they did an up a revised core rule book around. So the first one was put out around season four, I think it was, and then uh, the uh, revised core book got put out around season seven, like early season seven, yeah. and then there was uh, the Angel version, which is the same rules, just flavored for Angel, uh, that got put out around like season four or five of Angel. Okay. So all of these were within the airing of the show. All right. So so a little ways back, yes. but certainly not ancient. <laughs> but this is like in a very different like and more controlled way because this is Buffy. Yeah. Uh, uh, to uh, the more like generic version of it with. Uh, um, Monster Hearts. This is so thematic. Well, and to it, it seems like, at least from what I'm gathering, this was not a Buffy template slapped onto D20 or something. They they made no. their own legit system for this that's sound. It's solid. I, I think that's a pretty rare thing to find in a licensed product. Like mm -hmm. normally it's, the, you know what I mean? They're, they're licensing out some other system or, or just really kind of uh, funny. This may be... End. Yeah, this may be a licensing of a smaller system that is not well-known, like... I gotcha. Uh, uh, it is officially a uni-system game systems game. So, like, a small game system that basically no one has ever heard of. Okay. Um... But it is so somatic, like, so, uh, it's like, uh, bonuses and drawback section mm -hmm. is all so hysterical and somatic. Um, getting up to it. I have the book up open in front of me because I have it as a PDF. But, like, you can have a two-point drawback of talentless, uh, where you are locking, lacking in creative or artistic talent. Okay. Um, you can have uh, you can have like a bonus for situational awareness. You can be a robot. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, you can have obligations. You can have an occult library. Uh, you can have a drawback for being a minority. I, I'm not positive how I feel about that, but yeah. So this was 2002. Mm -hmm. So slightly bit different time. It's also high school, and it's only a drawback to some social interactions. Okay. Huh. But it's it's interesting. Um. And I do like that. Uh. Uh, they specifically include uh, being of a small religious group, such as uh, 
a a non-Christian religious group as part of being a minority. Okay, so it's pretty expansive what they what they consider yeah. there. All right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh Willow specifically uh on her character sheet has it because she is uh what is it called? What is it called? Star of David. Also, they have character sheets for all the characters if you uh like all the named characters from the show if that is something you are looking for. It's always one of those things, right? Especially like the the there was the new Marvel six one six RPG that came yes. out that ended up not being super uh-huh. stellar in my opinion. But um it's so And they apparently people... got completely updated. So I haven't looked at the update yet, but I certainly needed them. Um but uh, as far as like, there's some and some older Marvel systems too. Were granted the new one, you can create your own characters. But playing established characters is always such a weird dynamic. Some people are really for it. Some people are really against really it. Really against it. Yeah. But uh, yes. So it's it's she has that trait because she's Jewish. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I'm like, okay, I can respect that. Yeah. That, that is at least an interesting use of that phrasing. But it's, right. So it's a 1d10, and then you have these things called fate points, which you can spend before rolls to get you a plus 10 to your roll. So if you really oh. need to succeed for something, you have yeah. a way to ensure you really succeed. And do they do they play into the the kind of the high school drama dynamic too in in this game as a whole? Is that a big part of the the day and night life of of Buffy or? It depends on your storyteller, Billy, Um, because it is, uh, it has like the contextuality to do it in there, Mm -hmm. but it is not like, this is very much a monster of the week show. So it's playing into more the monster of the week aspect as much as the high school aspect. All right. I kind of like that. That's actually how (laughs) uh, my storytellers would normally run. Shadow run, not necessarily in a monster of the week, but in like a hey, it's the mission. This is the thing for like this um this session, session. the next session. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't hate that. It allows for people to be able to drop in mm-hmm. and drop out, and you have special episodes or special guests, and it, yep. it's it's a little bit more um mm-hmm. I don't know what the word is, but convenient, I guess, would be the way. Yeah. Um, and it makes actually for really good actual play TV because you can have like one and done episode with a little bit it feels like an episode of tv which makes it good yeah. to translate into uh and a actual play series that is uh, trying to be tabletop rpg as tv mm-hmm. no i like that a lot actually that that's that's very fitting uh-huh. on the other hand we have edge of the earth which is a custom dice system yeah everyone <laughs> people love that custom dice or having to buy an app to to play a game uh yeah um so i have played this because i was friends with a bunch of super star wars people in college i am not a star wars person so i i find myself uh in a similar situation often where a lot of my friends are very very into star wars and i i'm a casual fan that can be really into it in the moment but it's it's normally pretty fleeting afterwards i Yes, I am also like much more pro Star Wars Eight: The Last Jedi than all of my friends because I'm like, good, burn it all down and do something new with this universe and stop <laughs> telling the same story. So I, for, for similar reasons, I loved Rogue One, adored it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I, I I don't necessarily feel like I'm against a uh, uh, scorched earth policy so you can actually do some cool stuff with it yeah i uh i still think the best star wars thing ever made is knights of the old republic 2 i never played the console games i played the hell out of the mmo and the storylines were just so good in it so knights of the old republic 2 is a complete dismantling of the core ideas of star wars all from within the universe of star wars all right consider me intrigued Knights, you don't have to play Knights of the Old Republic 1. Knights of the Old Republic 1 is very, very like traditional Year of a Thousand Faces Star Wars. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic 2 is very, very like, let us critique all of this. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, 
Um, anyway, so with Edge of the Earth is a custom dice system. I think it's actually fairly solid for a custom dice system. Yeah. Well, and this is so I I, I think I played it early uh, on its release or maybe a starter kit or something along those lines. And I do really like that they kind of had so many different mm-hmm. editions of this. If you wanted to play yeah. in a prequel style game or with yes. Jedi, without Jedi, you wanted to play a bunch of scum mm-hmm. and villainy characters, you, you could do that. It was contained in a way where they, yes. they allowed those stories to be told without it kind of being that big grab bag of everything. Uh-huh. So I think, like, for a Star Wars game, this is really well constructed. Yes. Yep. Um, and having that defined universe, uh, both of these have really defined universes to play off of, um, and both of them are very somatic about it. Yes. Um, I think both of these are equally good systems i just have a preference to one of these universes so i think that's where i'm going to fall and which one i i mean i assume it's it's buffy but buffy and i was gonna say too uh significantly less toxic fan base significant yes so i mean for for that that alone i I think uh buffy certainly is is worthy of the nod all right so we move on to the semifinals so buffy is moving on our first semifinal bracket is going to be brought to us by the P.O. Box. We have a P.O. Box. You can send it postcards. You can send it, you know, really whatever you want, as long as it's uh, legal. Uh, And that P.O. Box (laughs) is P.O. Box G, as in, G, what a great bracket. Uh, West Oneonta, New York, 13861. First semifinal bracket. Is Monster Hearts going up against Black Crusade? Yes. So uh, these are totally at the opposite ends of the spectrum. I was going to say, these are very different games. This might yes. make this very easy or very difficult. I I think it makes it very easy for me because I will prefer one style of game over the other, but I think they're both doing what they're trying to do really well, and this okay. is just personal preference here. Yeah. Um, and that, that falls to Monster Hearts because teen dramas are an addiction of mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... it. I, I feel like... I want to say, like, teen drama is kind of like a universal language where everyone has experience with it for the most part, so there's something to identify with for mm-hmm. for everyone. And, you know, all sorts of different stories and, and different experiences there, but um, a little bit easier for people to glean onto than... Um, there was only war in the 40th century. Right, yes, yes. In the grim darkness of the future, there was only war. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But also, in that way, um, RPGs to me are a place to uh, experiment uh, and like figure stuff out about yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to get negative emotions out. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And what better place to do that than also high school? <laughs> yeah. I, and I just, I, I wish this was a game I looked into more because uh, the, the way you've described it, I'm like, this, this, I, I want to play this game so bad. Like, yes, it is great. And, and uh, very specifically, a game where like, if you have a good group, like a good group of people that will get into it and, and really RP, <laughs> it sounds like it, it's going to be, uh, really next level in in the experiences you can have with it if you have people that really want to buy into that um, yeah but i love that so monster hearts is moving on yeah i think it's monster hearts is moving on uh, i like it monster hearts going into the finals our second semi-final bracket is going to be brought to us by the network number that's right you can text it uh if you're jb you can stop sending it feet pics really whenever you want man i would really appreciate it uh <laughs> I he he's gotten to the point where he is now like if someone on the discord posts a picture of like a model they're painting or something and their feet just happen to be like in the very bottom corner of the screen he zooms in and then sends that to the network number or draws feet on his brakes at work and sends pictures of that but not just picture it's not like he's taking his phone and taking a picture of what he's drawn He's taking a picture with his work phone of what he's drawn, putting it up on the screen, and then taking a picture of his work phone with the picture up and texting that too. He's really gone pretty cerebral with it, and I appreciate seeing how he outdoes himself every week, but it's it's there, 603-803-3235. Text it, call it, 
it's it's there. Leave a voicemail. We'll potentially play it on a show. But mm -hmm. our second semifinal bracket is going to be Vampire the Masquerade going up against a very fitting opponent in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Um, and both of these are kind of playing in the same realm from opposite ends of the analogous spectrum. Yeah. Um, and as I said, I think both of them do a good job. Uh, but one of them has been going for an extra 15, 20 years. Yep. And has figured more stuff out and has and has kept up with the times, I guess I will put it. Yeah. That is that is that is a fair uh fair assessment, it seems like. Also, I think Laura Sheets is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um and so I, I think Vampire the Masquerade gets the edge. Also, a stick to the heart will only send a vampire the masquerade vampire into Torpor, so they can live through that. <laughs> yeah. They just they get sleepy for a little bit. It's fine. Yeah. Um all right, so Vampire the Masquerade going into the finals. So I think this is a very fitting final bracket. You yeah. have Monster Hearts going up against Vampire the Masquerade. Both games that I would love to play literally at any point and uh, seem to drive heavy, great RP and interaction between yes. characters. How do you possibly mm -hmm. choose between these two? And what metrics are you using to make that choice? This is so hard. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, a a entire mechanic that I forgot to mention about Monster Hearts. Mm -hmm. Uh, each class has what's known as a sex move, where after they have sex with a an NPC or another <laughs> player character, they get an effect. <laughs> oh, that is. Absolutely glorious. Uh-huh. Well, I mean <laughs> This is this is the hardest decision of the night, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well and, and two, I, I like that I assume when you're thinking and maybe not, uh, for the for the context of the bracket, but when you're thinking of Vampire the Masquerade, are you keying in all of the other um, kind of sister systems that can play into each other here or is monster hunter oh i'm sorry not monster hunter gosh uh, monster hearts hearts uh, which kind of does that within the same game do you how do you rack those up against one another so if this was chronicles of darkness not world of darkness that would be much more of a consideration yeah but a world of darkness is much more segmented and antagonistic between its factions yeah. than Chronicles of Darkness. So it makes crossover games a little bit more difficult to do without inherent antagonism within the space. Okay. Also, because we only have two fifth edition games so far, which are Vampire and Hunter. Uh, well, everything else is still in the 20th anniversary. Oh, gotcha. edition. Okay. They're working on the others, but it's not happened yet. I gotcha. All right, well, so there's there's still room to grow there. Yes, there's still very much room to grow. Um, but if you want to like, play werewolves and vampires and witches tomorrow, and Selkies and uh, the queen bitch of the school, then Monster Hearts already has it. Yes. All right. But it's the so it's Monster Hearts is locked by its setting, and Vampire the Masquerade is. Yes, a little bit locked by its setting, but not in the same way. It is more... So it's like, when you are playing Monster Arts, you are playing high school. Yeah. While Vampire the Masquerade, you're playing vampires in this, like, defined universe. But the versatility of style of character you can play is a lot broader. Okay, so Monster Hearts, very specifically, you are, you are locked into that setting of the, kind of the high school drama, or a lot of the mechanic is really based around that, that setting as a whole? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, uh, to make RP, uh, uh, NPCs at the start of the game, you have a, you make a bay of lockers and assign lockers to people, including your player characters. Oh, that's awesome. I really like that. <laughs> so it's like, it is doing the narrow thing exceptionally mm -hmm. or doing the slightly broader thing really, really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It, and it, it seems like there's not really a wrong answer here, right? Like, yeah, no, both of these are great games. Yeah, 
Um, I think I have to lead towards Vampire the Masquerade simply because of the way that it has managed to integrate in its lore. Yeah. Ha- that lore sheets are so impressive to me because well, you've managed to take this like nigh impenetrable, hard to quantify part of the game and put it into a way that you can quantify it on a character. And, and, and like you said, I, very undone kind of in the grand scheme of things for for RPGs uh, where that it just it kind of brings it to a new level and really kind of I don't know if groundbreaking is an overstatement, but but really something that someone hasn't done before and in a very legitimate, uh, impactful way. Yes. Like this is a template for other games to use. Yeah. Um, so I think just because of how in- innovative the new stuff it's doing is, uh, Vampire has to win. But it is by inches. I like it. All right. So Vampire the Masquerade taking the whole gosh dang thing. Um, mm-hmm. Incredible. All right. So I-, I don't think outside of D&D, there's really a bad contender on here. Not that d and yeah. is really bad. Everyone needs a gateway drug. But so it's it's. I think if you are looking for a combat sim, D&D is one of the best ones out there. Yeah. It's D&D and Battletech are the two real like combat sim heavy RPGs that I think do what they're trying to do well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that either. Yes. Right? So everyone. Exactly. If you if you want a nice beer and pretzels game where the, the points are made up and nothing matters, I mean, D&D is there and you can do some cool yep. stuff in it. And if that's the game you're looking for, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. I think that there it, it is limiting, like like we've talked about in the in the RP space and can be a great jump off point. Yes. But unless you have a bunch of people that are really already dedicated to making a very heavily mechanic combat system work for RP and there's nothing saying that you can't. Yeah, but, exactly. But it doesn't lead itself to to make that easy or be the focus of of kind of the overall mm-hmm. picture. Um, but I think anything in the semifinals and above for sure, if you want to have a great yeah. time, really delve into some characters and and flesh out some really cool systems. Uh, and Call of Cthulhu and Star Wars, yes. if those are the type of things you are looking for. Um, there's a couple other systems that I would suggest by word of mouth that I haven't played. Uh, Dread is on there. Dread is a mm. fascinating game. It is an RPG played with a Jenga tower. <laughs> so Okay, I've heard about this, actually. I so yeah, I haven't played it either, but I, I've heard it through word of mouth that it yeah. has a very, very neat mechanic. Uh huh. Um, Shadowrun. I've also heard nothing but good things about. I have just haven't had the time to play it, other than the Shadowrun video games. Yeah, uh, I I love that style, the isometric RPGs, uh, uh-huh. a lot. Um, I, I played a bunch of Shadowrun and a bunch of different um editions. And it, it can mm-hmm. be really hit or miss based on what you're trying to go for, but very unique system, very unique um, setting, setting as a whole yeah. that, that you can do some really so, cool stuff with. Have you heard the story about why there is magic in Shadowrun? Uh, you know, as far as the why, no, it was always just a and then magic came back and people are orcs now. And I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to be an orc. Uh, so, uh, the guy who designed Shadowrun was getting on a flight, uh, to go show off Shadowrun when he found out about, uh, Cyberpunk, uh, 20, uh, Cyberpunk Red. And he's like, oh shit, I need something to stand out and designed the magic system on the flight. That is so awesome. (laughs) That is so awesome. Wow. I really like that. (laughs) <laughs> all right hell yeah uh-huh um if you also uh if you want a super kind of tactical game and also the seeming uh the stargate uh the stargate rpg from the early 2000s is also solid okay um it is definitely like we are military people uh tactical yeah but that's sometimes what you want you know yeah. Well, and there's a bunch of those those kind of games that get nodded to all the time. I think Dagger is it Dagger in the Dark or something along those lines. Uh, Blades in the Dark. Blades in the Dark. Um, a Savage Worlds. I uh, briefly mentioned. Oh, what? There was some other just absolute. Ba- oh, Kids on Bikes. If you want to, Kids have- on Bikes is great. Yeah, uh, and uh, Root, um, I think Root has a uh, 
Yeah, Boot has an RPG. Um, also, uh, it had an Amazon Prime show, and I'm trying to remember what it's called. It is like no. Um, um, it was a tabletop RPG first and then became a one season Amazon Prime show. It is like weird, Slavic, uh, um, oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I, yep, I do. Uh huh. Put in the comics of this episode, comments of this episode. Yeah, it'll, Let's it'll, get that engagement. <laughs> it'll be, um, it'll be in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, Tales so from yeah. the Loop? Tales from the Loop. There we go. All right. But, Lexa, thank you so much for being here. No problem. Um, I'm so happy to finally be on. Uh, I am too. I was like, I was like, I, this, I, I, we, I just need to figure it out. I need to figure it out. It's, it's super long overdue. And uh, you picked a great topic too. I, I really yeah. enjoyed this and just kind of rethinking about some of the systems I played before. Because uh, it's it's easy to get stuck in that loop of like we play a ton of Pathfinder and WFRP, and mm-hmm. there's so much more out there. Um, it, it gets me real fired up to try out just a, kind of a whole bunch of other things. Well, whenever you're ready to play Monster Hearts, let me know. <laughs> I, I mean, that's kind of way up the short list now. I'm really glad uh, you put that one on here and and we talked about it because Monster Hearts just sounds so just stupid fun. But uh-huh. if you liked our show. Cool, thanks, because we aren't uh, really a show anymore. But you can check out our friends, and hopefully yours soon, too. Uh, Joe Gennaro in the Comic Book Rundown, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, the Carton Cast, Wreck My Podcast, which is also taking uh, a hiatus currently as well. They totally stole our idea. That's why we're still doing episodes until they come back. And uh, maybe you check out a uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol uh, podcast mm-hmm. in the Morlocks. Lexa, where can everyone find that again? Uh, you can find that where as Morlocks, wherever podcasts be, can be found. And you can also come support me and get fun bonus podcasts, which I have dragged Tim mm-hmm. on to a couple times Very much about so. TV and movie on my Patreon at patreon.com slash Alexa White. Perfect. All right. So with that said, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and squirrels, I have been your host, Tim. And we will say thank you to Alexa. Goodbye. Stay safe. And remember to leave the blood on the bracket. This has been Elite Eight Showdown. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, check out all the other great shows here at the Professional Casual Network. Like what, Danny? I'll tell you. On Mondays, we've got the Lost Omens podcast, our Pathfinder 2E actual play, hosted by me, playing through the Extinction Curse AP. Also... Streaming on twitch.tv slash professional casual network at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can check out, oh yeah, the power phase, our Marvel Crisis Protocol live battle report show. On Tuesdays, the podcast version of, wait, did I roll a wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol vlog is available. On Wednesdays, alternating releases on the Patreon, we have Settling the Southlands, our homebrew Wolfwarp actual play, and The Slithering, a Pathfinder second edition actual play. And on Thursdays, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash professional casual network, we've got, wait, did I roll a wild, our Marvel Crisis Protocol povlog. You can also check out back episodes of Elite Eight Showdown and the first 39 episodes of the Lost Omens podcast, the first 24 episodes of Settling the Southlands, and the first handful of episodes of The Slithering on the YouTube at youtube.com slash the professional casual.